What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to today's podcast. It's a lot of NFL draft stuff today because the NFL draft round one is tonight. The Panthers have been on the clock for a while now. That's all gonna, We're talking about that mainly today. But before we get into the pod, I just got to say, Jimmy Butler's nuts. I was wrong about the Bucks coming back and winning that series. Jalen Brunson deserves a ton of credit. The Lakers should finish the Grizzlies in six, and the Warriors should finish off the Kings in six. Going to be doing some NBA stuff on the YouTube channel today, so make sure you go subscribe to that so you don't miss anything else we've got going on over there. The YouTube is Shooting the Schmidt, spelled just how you spell the podcast. Without further ado, here we go. draft starts tonight and I can just tell you right now with the number one overall pick of the 2023 NFL draft the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young Bryce Young's the number one overall pick that's who people are going to take the quarterbacks in this class have been talked about and analyzed so much over these past three months it's just been a lot a lot of This guy can do this. This guy can't do this. C.J. Stroud, he's falling because of this. Will Levis, for some reason, we love him. On and on and on. We've heard so much about these quarterbacks. And ultimately, what we've learned about this class is that this is the fix-me class. That's what this is. Every single quarterback in this class has something that needs to be fixed, and GMs and coaches have enough confidence in themselves that they think that they can fix them. Let's start at the bottom. The quarterback who I believe will be taken last in this draft. C.J. Stroud. He's got some mental things going on, I guess. He scored an 18% on a pre-draft test that GMs hold in high regard. We're going to talk about that more here in a bit. But there's this idea, you know, we can teach this kid. Whoever drafts C.J. Stroud is going to be like, we can teach this kid. And not only can we teach this kid mentally, but we can surround him with an offensive line to fix his inability to scramble like some of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and like, you know, the other three quarterbacks in this class who are probably going to get drafted in front of him. There's a need to fix C.J. Stroud and the mental aspect of it and in the lack of scramble ability, the ability to extend plays. Those two things need to be fixed. Whoever drafts C.J. Stroud is going to have to fix both of those things. Both of those things, whether that's dumbing the system down, making it really simple like it is at Ohio State in terms of the mental aspect of things, or that's making sure you always have a great left and right tackle so that he's not having to run outside of the pockets all the time. The quarterback that I believe will be taking third in this draft, Will Levis, he's got some accuracy issues that you have to fix. He does. He also probably needs to slim down a little bit. He's probably a little bit too big. I think that hurts his throwing mechanics and things of that nature. But the idea with Will Levis is that he's very similar to Josh Allen. So people keep telling you they they love him. He looks like Josh Allen. Big arm, big, athletic, all those different types of things. He has the intangibles. You know, that's what they like to say. He's a real leader of men. Which I just feel like until you're in a locker room with a guy, you don't know if they're a leader or not. Because there's a very big difference between being, you know, 23 years old 
in leading guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 in your age versus being 23 years old and trying to get 37-year-old men behind you. It's a hard thing to do. And now, look, GMs believe that he's got it, that people are really going to be able to rally behind him, and all these different types of things. We'll see if that happens or not, because that's it's really hard to earn the respect of a locker room when, you know, every guy in there is older than you are. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. And here's the thing with that. Will Levis has things that you can see that make it easy to rally behind him. Like, oh, man, like that kid just threw a 60-yard bomb over the top. I like that. You like being able to see that. We heard the same thing with Trey Lance when he was, you know, in his you know, his first you know, uh, rookie camp. You know, the vets come out and they're watching him. They're like, man, like, that kid's fast. Man, the kid has a big arm. It's easy to get behind guys where you can see what they're about. So that plays well in Levis's favor. But the accuracy, it's a question mark. It is, and that's a large part of why people are comparing him to Josh Allen. It's like, oh, Josh Allen had accuracy issues in college, and now he's fine. It doesn't happen. It's very rare that you can fix an accuracy issue. So whoever drafts Will Levis has got to figure out the accuracy stuff. How do we make his life easy? How do we get him bigger windows so that you know his rookie season, he can build confidence, and we can maybe win some games while he's developing the accuracy over time? Whoever drafts Will Levis is going to have to try to fix his ability to be accurate. Let's look at the quarterback who I think is going to go second. Anthony Richardson. And this is interesting. How do you fix Anthony Richardson? What is there to fix with Anthony Richardson? The guy is an absolute specimen. An alien when it comes to quarterbacks. Probably the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen coming out of college. And if he's a hit, he's probably going to be the most athletic guy to ever play quarterback. When you look at his size and the arm strength and the speed, he checks every box physically, but he hasn't thrown a ton of balls. If there was a major concern with Trey Lance when Trey Lance came out of college at just how little football he had played. Well, guess what? Trey Lance had more passing attempts in college than Anthony Richardson did. Now, obviously, there's more to it. You know, Anthony Richardson obviously played high-level high level high school football in Florida. Trey Lance, like, barely played it all in high school. So there's some differences there. But Anthony Richardson, he hasn't seen a lot. He hasn't done a lot in college. He started, like, 12 games. That's it. And then on top of that, like the games that he played, he wasn't super great. Like Florida wasn't exactly a great team. Now, obviously, we saw flashes from from Anthony Richardson. Obviously, the clip that everybody plays is the game game against Utah, where he jumps, spins, pump fakes, all in one motion, scrambles to his right, throws a dot into the end zone. It's a great play, and that is the ceiling of Anthony Richardson: the size, the speed, the escapability, the arm strength. I mean, like I said, he's got everything, but. The thing that you have to fix with Anthony Richardson is the lack of experience, which is something that will happen over time. I think of all the quarterbacks in the draft, he has the easiest thing to fix. It's a lack of experience. It's a lack of playing time. You know, look, he's a quarterback who needs to sit and marinate. I don't know if he's going to have an opportunity to do that or not. Because with where I have him going in the draft, I don't. I'm not too. I'm not too too sold on the team's current starting quarterback situation. So he's going to get plugged in and probably play immediately if I end up being right. So we'll see how things go for Anthony Richardson. And finally, the quarterback who's going to go number one overall, Bryce Young. The thing you have to fix with him is his size. He's the smallest quarterback to ever come out of college. 6'5", 
smaller than Kyler Murray. They're the same height, but Kyler Murray's got like 30 pounds on the dude. Bryce Young weighs 180 pounds. He is 5'10", 180. It's too small. That's tiny. They're going to have to put weight on him if he's going to last. That has to happen. That is the first thing that the Panthers are going to have to do. you got to put him on a meal plan, do whatever you got to do. Feed him peanut butter and jelly every day. I don't know. Whatever you have to do to put 30 pounds on that kid. Because it has to happen. Okay, Kenny Pickett. You know, first quarterback taken in last year's draft out of, you know, who's up in Pittsburgh. He added like 20 pounds this offseason because he was too small. And he's much bigger than Bryce Young. Bryce Young has to put on weight. Outside of that, I love him. You know, he's got all the other things, you know, accurate, good arm, moves well, can extend plays, can do all the things that you want your starting NFL quarterback to do. He can do all of it, but he's just, he's got to add some size. Panthers are going to take him at one. And then at number two, we have the Texans. And who knows what the Texans are doing? Nobody knows. The Texans don't know what the Texans are doing. Nobody knows what's going on in Houston. Houston, we have a problem. That was cheesy, but I had to say it. They have so many options. So many different things have been reported. Their owner wants them to take a quarterback, but the GM's like, oh, I don't really want to take a quarterback. And all the scouts are like, I like this guy. And some of the other scouts are like, no, 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 we want this guy. You know, we want Will Anderson. No, 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 we want Jalen Carter or whoever. It is a house divided in Houston. And here's the thing about GMs. They're first and like first and foremost, their number one responsibility is not to build a team that can win a Super Bowl. It's not the GM's first priority. Their first priority is to keep the job. Job security, baby. We we need it. We need it. Because if you don't have the job, then you can't build a Super Bowl roster. So currently, here's what's happening in Houston. The owner's sitting up there like, hey, Davis Mill, David Mills, don't want him. Tired of watching him play quarterback for the team that I own. I don't want to see it anymore. I want a new quarterback. And the GM has to be like, oh, man, well, like, we don't really like any of the quarterbacks. We don't really want to take a quarterback at 2, maybe at 12. So we know he now has to convince the owner to wait, which is a really hard thing to do. And maybe not even wait till the 12th pick. Maybe wait till next year when you can get Drake May or Caleb Williams. I think that's really what they want to do. Or what the GM wants to do. So who knows what the Texans are going to do at 2. But that's really where the draft starts. And depending on what they do at 2, it impacts every pick from there to pick 10. At least the next 5 picks. Maybe not to pick 10. But the next 5 picks are going to be greatly impacted on what the Texans do. Now look, if they, if they take a quarterback at two, not much is going to change. Maybe somebody still tries to trade up, you know, to pick number three, to jump the Colts, to grab their quarterback. Maybe that happens. But if they don't take a quarterback, that third overall pick becomes much, much more valuable. And the Cardinals, who've been looking to get out of that pick for quite a while now, have a ton of leverage. And they can trade it away. And there's multiple teams who could trade up and take that pick. Obviously, the Raiders at 7, the Titans at 11, the Patriots at 14 could trade up. We know that they don't love Mac Jones. Maybe the Colts trade up because they're scared that somebody's going to jump them and they can really get the guy that they want. 
there's a lot of teams who would be willing to trade up into that third spot or even the second spot. You know, the, te- the Texans could pick up the phone and be like, hey, we're not going to take a quarterback. We can get whoever we want here, you know, at, at seven, Raiders. Do you guys want the pick? What do you have for us? This is what we want for the number two overall pick for you to grab whatever quarterback you want. It's going to be very interesting. So much of the draft is going to fall on the shoulders of the Texans and what they do with that pick. Now, there have been some prospects who are going to fall. We know what's happening. It's already happening. Jalen Carter, a guy who was potentially going to be the number two overall pick, a guy who is regarded as the best defensive lineman in this class. And he's going to fall because of you know the arrest and the drag racing and that's connected to like a previous thing and where some people die. Like it's it's really messy. He's going to fall because of that. But it's the question of how far is he going to fall is so interesting. Because he's one of the few blue chippers in this draft. Okay, like let's be honest, top to bottom, this draft is not great. I don't even know if it's average. It's not very good. And because of that, he's not going to fall very far. There aren't very many blue-chip prospects in this draft where we sit here and we go, you know what, that guy is going to hit. There's not very many of them. Bijan Robinson, Peter Skaronsky, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Witherspoon out of Illinois, the corner out of Oregon. Like Once you get outside of those six or seven guys... It's slim pickings in terms of, I know this guy is going to play in the NFL for 12 years. Slim pickings. So because of that, I don't think he falls too, too far. I would be absolutely stunned if he fell outside of the top 10. Be absolutely stunned. Because as I said, there's only a handful of guys who feel like they're going to hit no matter where they end up. And he's one of them. He plays an extremely important position as well on that defensive line. He, he's not going to fall very far. The other guy who's set to fall, C.J. Stroud. He scored an 18% on one of the more important pre-draft tests. One anonymous GM said, and I quote, that is like red alert, red alert. You can't, you can't take a guy like that. That is why I have Stroud as a bust. That, in conjunction with the fact, name one Ohio State quarterback that's ever done it in the league. He makes very valid points. First of all, he knows more about that test than I do. And if he's concerned by it, then I think everybody should be. And secondly, he's right. We've never seen a quarterback come into the NFL and be great. Justin Fields, jury's still out on him. We'll see. We're going to find out a lot about Justin Fields this year. We're going to find out a lot about him. So he's going to fall. Look, those test concerns, or excuse me, the test scores are concerning. There's no way around it. And then you pair that with the fact that he played with some pretty awesome receivers at Ohio State. He did. You know, in the NBA, the three ball covers a multitude of sins, right? Like, you can have bad spacing for the most of the game. You can play bad defense for most of the game. But look, if I make 33s and you make 22... That's a 24-point difference, and I'm probably going to beat you. A three-pointer in the NBA covers a multitude of sins, 
And when it comes to passing the ball in the NFL, and it's really college football, especially in college football, having a good wide receiver room covers a multitude of sins, especially in college where the defenders on the perimeter just aren't as good as they are in the NFL. So you go to Ohio State and you throw to Jackson Smith and Jigba and you throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. and these elite, elite receivers and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they're going to make you look better than what you are. They just, that's what's going to happen. And so how much of the production at Ohio State is because C.J. Stroud is awesome versus Marvin Harrison Jr. is awesome and Jackson Smith and Jigba is awesome and Garrett Wilson is awesome and Chris Olave is awesome and Ryan Day's scheme at Ohio State is awesome. How much of it is Stroud? It's, It's a legit question. And so because of the questions around Stroud, it's becoming more and more likely that that Will Levis is going to be the second quarterback off the board. It is believed across the league that there's a really good chance that Will Levis is going to go second. But here's the thing. Nobody knows. This quarterback class has been so all over the map. Okay, at one point we thought Stroud was, go, was going to go number one, and it's like, no, 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 it's going to be Bryce Young. We're like, all right, cool. Like, that's probably what should happen. But after that, pick a card, any card. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So it could be Levis. It could be Richardson. Because like I said, no one knows who's going where. To wrap this up, I'm going to give you what I believe is going to happen within the first 10 picks. So I already said it. Number one, first overall, first pick of the NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young. With the second overall pick, the Houston Texans will select... Will Anderson Jr., edge rusher, Alabama University. I don't know why I said it like that. I can't stand Alabama. I think they end up taking the edge rusher. I think the GM convinces the owner, hey, we can grab a quarterback at 12. It's it's a legit option, especially if C.J. Stroud falls as far as people think he's going to. With the third overall pick, the Cardinals are going to trade back to seven as the Raiders trade up and select their quarterback of the future, Will Levis. With the fourth pick, the Colts take Anthony Richardson. With the fifth pick, the Seahawks take a much-needed position here, edge rusher Tyree Wilson. That was one thing that the Seahawks defense was missing last year. With the sixth pick, the Lions add much, much-needed talent on the back end. They take the best corner in this draft, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. With the seventh pick, the Cardinals take Jalen Carter. Look, they just hired a new head coach. He's defensive-minded. Go get him Jalen Carter. Go get him a guy who you can put in the middle of that front four and can make a legit impact night in and night out for the next eight years. The Falcons continue to use their first-round draft picks on the offensive side of the football. They take B. John Robinson, a guy who's going to hit. The best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley? That's what I would say. Can catch it out of the backfield. Great in space. Big, physical. That offense for the Falcons, man, they've got a lot of young talent. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, potentially B. John Robinson. They kind of like Desmond Ritter. I don't think they love him, but I think that they're willing to give him another go. Falcons, that offense is going to be a lot of fun here in the next few years. 
the Bears at nine. I think they're going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think they're going to give Justin Fields another weapon. If they don't take Jackson Smith and Jigba here, uh, Skaronski, offensive tackle out of Northwestern, maybe they trade back and grab him. Maybe this is where the Texans trade up and take C.J. Stroud. Bears drop back to 12, and they take Peter Skaronski. And then at pick number 10, the Eagles continue to do what they do. They draft edge rusher Nolan Smith out of Georgia because the Eagles are just committed to having a million pass rushers on their roster. Not a bad strategy. They did, in fact, play for the Super Bowl last year, so I'm not going to judge them too, too harshly on that. After that, let's be honest, people's interest in the draft drops. Okay, because ultimately people want to know what their team does. People want to know what the first, what happens in the first five picks, what their team does, and what their and like what players from their favorite college football team get drafted. That's what people want out of the NFL draft. So once you get past those first ten picks, I think people lose a lot of interest. They're only invested in their own teams at that point. So I wish you luck tonight. I hope your favorite team drafts whoever you want them to. I hope they go on to have long illustrious careers. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for tonight. That is going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like I said in the intro, if you want to hear stuff on the NBA, go over to the YouTube channel, Shooting the Schmidt, subscribe. We've got a lot of stuff coming out on the NBA playoffs on there. That is going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much again for listening, and I'll talk to you all again on Tuesday. Tuesday.